The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Gary Ridgway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer, murdered women in Washington state from 1982 to 1998, but possibly could have continued killing until 2001 when he was finally apprehended. Ridgway confessed to 71 murders, but was only prosecuted for 49. So who are these other 22 victims? A local true crime researcher has put together an extensive list of murdered, missing, and unidentified women to try and figure that out. On this episode of Washed Away, we'll be talking about the unknown victims of the Green River Killer. able to confess to 71 murders. I mean, he confessed to remember killing 71 people and admitted as well that he he doesn't know how many people he killed. He doesn't seem to have a really good recollection. He himself has said in recent years that he thinks that he left at least 80 bodies in King County alone. And people like David Riker and, you know, Bob Keppel and other people who are on the Green River Task Force think that it's probably... 80 to 100 is a probably more accurate count for Ridgeway's victims. That's Savannah. She's a true crime researcher and writer that lives here in Washington State. I found her on Reddit where she goes by the name Quirky Motor, and she recently posted a three-part deep dive on all of the potential victims of Gary Leon Ridgeway, known, of course, by the media as the Green River Killer. She mentioned Dave Reichert and Robert Keppel, who were both on the Green River Task Force in the 80s and 90s. Reichert was the King County Sheriff at the time, and Keppel was a senior criminal investigator. You're going to hear a lot of names and dates in this episode, and it might be hard to keep track of them all, so I apologize in advance. I'll try to be as clear as possible as Savannah and I go through all of the cases that could be connected to Gary Ridgway. People always think, okay, Ridgway killed people's high-risk lifestyle. So they're looking at people are transient, you know, history of sex work, hitchhiking, all these things. But when you actually look at Ridgeway's victims, they're really, really varied. And so it makes the victim pool so much bigger than people initially thought. When the Green River Killer was caught in 2001 and prosecuted for his many crimes, he was offered a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. The terms of that deal included that Ridgeway would help investigators locate and identify the remains of some of his victims whose bodies had yet to be found in King County, which is where Seattle and the suburbs around it, including the Green River, are located. And in the future, if prosecutors could prove that Ridgeway murdered victims outside of King County, the death penalty would allegedly be put back on the table. However, in 2018, the Washington State Supreme Court ruled that capital punishment was unconstitutional, and it has since been abolished here. 
but just south of us. In Oregon, it's technically still legal, though there has been a moratorium on executions since 2011. And I bring this up because Savannah thinks the threat of the death penalty is why Ridgway wouldn't confess to certain murders, like the ones he possibly committed in Oregon. The biggest ones are probably Tammy Lyles and Angela Gardner. Their bodies were found in Oregon. Some, some people truly think that Tammy and Angela were not Green River victims and that they just were victims of another predator. But others think that these were the two women he he killed actually outside of Washington state. Interesting. Do you know why, other than the time frame, why they're kind of looked at as as Ridgeway victims? Yeah. You know, specifically, Tammy Lyles was actually, she was from North Seattle. But she worked, like many of the girls, and she worked, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Portland. Some of the girls went to Yakima, Vancouver. Um, They kind of worked, they called it the circuit, right? So work in Seattle for a while, and then they'd hear, oh, the money's better in Tacoma, or there'd be worn out for their arrest, and they'd move. And so Tammy was from Seattle. She was working um, on the Strip, on the SeaTac Strip, when she went missing. So because of that, um, she was always considered a Ridgeway victim. Now, Tammy has kind of a strange story. She left home in 1982. Um, she was from the Everett, Snohomish area, and she, you know, like many of them, had a kind of a transient-type lifestyle, told her family, see ya. After they didn't hear from her for a while, they reported her missing. And then in 1984, they got a call from Tammy, or at least someone pretending to be Tammy, and she talked to her family on the phone. And she said that she was living and working in Tacoma, and she had met someone. She was going to get married. And so her family called the task force and took her name off the list. They said, oh, yeah, Tammy's fine. Then in 1988, they still hadn't heard from Tammy. Four more years passed. They don't hear from Tammy. So they report her missing again. So it was kind of an odd situation. Police have always wondered if the woman that called them in 1984 really was Tammy. And the truth is, you know, we'll never know. But either way, Tammy Lyle's remains were actually found, I believe, in like the Portland Medical Examiner's office in the late uh, 1990s as just a Jane Doe. They didn't know who she was. And then they were cleaning out the medical examiner's office. And they were like, oh, my gosh, there's a Jane Doe back here. And she was able to be matched as Tammy Lyles in 1998. And that's when they realized she was from Seattle area. She was known to work the SeaTac Strip and was last seen in either 82 or 84, right in the middle of Ridgewood Spree. Now, Tammy often worked in Portland. And the area that um, was kind of known for, for sex work in Portland was, it's called the camp. And... Tammy, while she was working in the camp, made friends with Angela Gertner. And Angela Gertner wasn't known to work in Seattle. She was actually a high school student. So because Tammy and Angela often were seen together working together, Angela was thought of as a possible Ridgeway victim as well. And Tammy and Angela's, Angela's remains were actually found together. So because of that, that's why we can really um, say that Angela, we believe, is a Ridgeway victim, if if Tammy is, right? But if Tammy's not a victim, then that just opens a lot of possibilities. Now, because they're in Oregon, because their bodies were dumped in Oregon, um, Ridgeway has kept free mom about their cases. Ridgeway did kill two women in Seattle or in the Seattle area who he then dumped in Portland. And that was Shirley Cheryl and Denise Bush. And we know both of those women were last seen alive in Seattle. So because of that, he has been charged with those because he committed the crime in Seattle. And the only crime he committed in Oregon was just dumping dumping the bodies there. And that dump site was only a mile from where, less than a mile from where Tam and Angela were found. So, oh. yeah. 
So either they're victims of Ridgeway or it's the world's biggest coincidence. Another way to try and figure out whether certain murder victims are connected to Ridgeway is by their cause of death. He strangled his victims, and usually with his hands. But because most of these women's bodies were found years after they were killed, there was really no way to know for sure how they died. Again, Ridgeway did confess to killing 71 people, but only received consecutive life sentences for 49, one of which was added on later. And just because a murderer has been arrested and convicted doesn't necessarily mean that closure has been given to families. And that's especially true in this case, because there are just so many other possible victims. It's hard to imagine, really, that at least 71 people, though likely many, many more, who were daughters and sisters and mothers who had goals and dreams and simply just the right to exist in this world as women, had all of their lives cut short by one man. During Ridgway's trial, there was actually a minute of silence held for each of the 49 victims. That's 49 minutes, almost an hour of silence. Those of us that consume a lot of true crime content are rarely phased by gruesome details and victim counts because we've heard it all at this point. So I wanted to take a second to really let that number sink in. 49, 71, and who knows how many more. And what's worse is the way that all of these victims are often spoken about, because a majority of them were sex workers. You know, people, for whatever reason, they always remember that Ted Bundy abducted two women in one day. But what people don't seem to realize is that Gary Ridgway was killing women more frequently than once a week for almost a year, which makes him, frankly, incredibly terrifying, um, which is pretty pretty sickening. Also, um, it's a really weird thing that happens in the true crime community. But because Ted Bundy was interviewed about Ridgway in the late 1980s by Bob Keppel while he was sitting on Florida's death row, it really seems that Bundy was able to twist the narrative about Gary Ridgway. And Ted Bundy always sets forth this narrative that Ted was a, you know, quote unquote, smart killer. He killed low risk victims. And he thought of himself as a very savvy criminal. And he thinks that Ridgway, who, you know, we didn't know was Gary Ridgway at the time, but who, he thought the, the river man was just killing street people and was not a sophisticated criminal. And for whatever reason, people think that is true, even though these are words out of Ted Bundy's mouth. Right. You know, it's like, do we really want to believe Ted Bundy about anything? Because I know I don't. So I think that's allowed, you know, it's really allowed this narrative to be twisted. You'll often hear people say that Ted Bundy helped catch the Green River Killer, the truth is, he obviously didn't. I mean, DNA caught Gary Ridgway after decades. But Bundy did talk to the task force about the mentality of a serial killer from what he knew of himself. And he told them about the ways he thought that they could track down the quote unquote river man. Of course, none of those ways involved DNA. So again, Bundy did not catch Gary Ridgway. And we shouldn't be giving him any credit. So we already went over the possible Oregon victims. Now let's discuss the people who Ridgway admitted to killing in Washington state, but wasn't prosecuted for, either due to lack of evidence or because their bodies have yet to be found. Unfortunately, in so many of these cases, there's very little information to go on. But here's what we know. Casey Ann Lee was only 16 when she was last seen on August 28, 1982, when she left her home to walk to a nearby store just east of Pacific Highway South. Her husband reported her missing two days later. 
Patricia Ann Osborne was 19 when she was last seen on October 28, 1983, near the 99 Motel on Aurora. She had a date that night. And then there was Kelly K. McGinnis. Those three women are women that Ridgway confessed to killing. But because we don't have a body, he has not been prosecuted. Now, if, if a body of one of those women is found, that will just be added to his life sentence. I think his initial plea deal was for 47 murders. Now it's up to, um, you know, 49. Ridgway specifically said, yes, I killed them. But because we don't have their bodies, he has not been officially prosecuted, but they are on the official Green River list. For Kelly K. McGinnis, Ridgway knew specifically he killed her. Now, Kelly K. was more of a, um, she, she did sex work, but she was more of a high-class call girl. She worked at a hotel. And she was from a very wealthy family, and she dated, you know, wealthier Johns, really. So Ridgway remembered picking her up specifically. And I think because maybe she's a little different than his other victims, um, at least with where he picked them up, he told police that he killed her and then took them to a body of someone who matched that description but wasn't actually Kelly Kate Guinness. He actually took them to a body of a girl named April Buttram, who is a different girl, but Physically, they looked very similar. So while he has admitted specifically to killing Kelly K. McGinnis, um, because she's never been found, he's never been prosecuted for that one. Casey Ann Lee also, same thing. He remembered picking her up around a certain time. He remembered killing her. But because we don't have her body, and same thing with Patricia Osborne, he was able to remember killing them. But without a body, without any corroborating evidence, he's not been added to his plea deal. There are also Ridgeway victims that have been found, but never identified, often referred to as Bones 17 and Bones 20. A third victim, Bones 10, was finally ID'd in early 2021, thanks to DNA. We now know that she was Wendy Stevens from Colorado. So now that uh, Wendy has been identified, there are two unidentified victims. That's Bones 17 and Bones 20. And I think I saw that you submitted a tip on who you thought Bones 20 might be. I did. I've actually submitted a couple. So one woman who was actually found twice was Bones 17. Some of her bones were found in 1984. And then someone else found a skull in like the same area in 1986, I think. And they were determined to belong to the same person. You know, animals move things around. You know, Western Washington is so wet. I know that, you know, Ridge would partially bury people and they'd, you know, part of them would like get sucked down into the mud. Just, I mean, cause it's just so wet. And he did like to put a lot of people on, you know, stream beds and things like that. I have submitted a couple people, you know, in the past who I thought it was possible bone 17 were, but when I heard back from the Green River Task Force, it was kind of interesting. I believe I emailed them and they said that they think bone 17 is actually a girl named Diana Munyon from Mississippi. I don't know how they know that, but it seemed almost like they were maybe just waiting for some confirmation. She does look quite a bit like the um, the reconstruction. As for Bones 20, there's a, a young woman who went missing from this area of the state, Eastern Washington, who I've always, I, I don't know, it's one of those things we really don't know very much about her at all. It's one of those Charlie Project pages that says, you know, little information is available. But her name is Cherry Greenman. She kind of, as far as I can tell from, from what her family has to say, she was kind of a free spirit. She was going to hitchhike and work odd jobs. And she's 20 years old, and she was last known to be alive in 1976. 
And one thing we know about Bones 20 is that um, though the bones of a female, we don't have her skull, so we don't know what race she is, and we don't have any really estimation of what she looked like. But the medical examiner seems to think that she passed away in the late 1970s. And, you know, Ridgway doesn't think he killed anyone in the 70s, but he admits it's possible, which is really terrifying. But because of that, I've just always wondered if Cherry Greenman was a victim of Ridgway. How do you not know if you killed people in the 1970s? How do you forget whether or not you killed someone? Like, I know he's a serial killer, but wouldn't he remember the first people he killed or when he started killing better than anyone? That detail is just so chilling to me. And then there's the possible Green River killer victims, the cases that could fit the many women who were murdered or who remain missing to this day that could be linked to Ridgeway based on location, dates, and other clues. And this list is incredibly long, so I'll tell you about a few of them and then link to the full list in my show notes. Linda Adams was only 15 years old when she was last seen in Yakima, Washington in 1978. She was a chronic runaway who was last seen walking down a road and may have been hitchhiking. Rhonda Burse was 21 years old when she was last seen getting into her car after her shift ended at the Flame Tavern in Burien, where she worked. That was in 1977. Louise Sanders was last heard from in February of 1981. She called a friend to make lunch plans, but then canceled because she was meeting a date. She disappeared from downtown Seattle, and she was 35 years old at the time. While there aren't many other details about how and when these women disappeared, there are photos and descriptions of what they looked like. I'll be sure to link to those in my show notes as well. I asked Savannah if she had ever come across any common misconceptions about the Green River Killer while she was doing her research. Here's what she had to say. There's a couple things that people are just playing wrong about Ridgway with. You know, Ridgway is a lot, he's a much more sophisticated criminal than people realize. And I'm not saying that to try to praise him because that's obviously disgusting. I'm just trying to, I think it it needs to be addressed. You know, Ridgway didn't have adaptive difficulties. He kept it down a job. He kept a clean house. He, you know, was married. They were like, his bosses said he had a perfect attendance record at work. He wasn't late. And those are all things we call adaptive skills. So Ridgway didn't have any lack of those adaptive skills. And as far as we could tell, he was obviously convincing enough to convince women to get into his car even ones without high-risk lifestyles. So he had to have had some sort of charisma or ruse to do that. And also, I mean, just frankly, I just don't think he was dumb. And it just, it totally does a disservice to Ridgeway's victims. He killed 100 people. You can't be stupid and kill 100 people and get away with it. Ridgeway actually used massive forensic countermeasures, things Bundy never even thought of. He was constantly altering his cars so that his car was never seen on the strip twice putting canopies on them and he was painting them and I mean he did all sorts of stuff. Ridgeway convinced daycare worker, um, culinary student, a couple of women who were waitresses, people who had no connection to the scene, he convinced them to get in his car somehow. So people always say, oh Bundy was so charismatic and he had such a high IQ and he was so smart. <laughs> and that's that's what Bundy says about himself. I'm a big fan of this new attitude in the true crime community around Bundy. He wasn't hot. He wasn't smart. He wasn't a rock star. He was a man that killed people. Real people. I mean, he was a monster. We shouldn't be glorifying him. We shouldn't be admiring him. And we shouldn't be making excuses 
for him. And I really hope that this becomes the new norm. I hope that this attitude is applied to other killers as well, because there definitely is a dark corner of the true crime community that idolizes these murderers. We should be focusing on the victims, telling their stories, advocating for them since they can no longer advocate for themselves. When I saw Savannah's research on Reddit and all of these names cataloged with such care and detail, it inspired me to do this episode. I only cover cold cases, unsolved crimes, missing persons, and I know that Gary Ridgway has been caught and technically many of his murders are considered closed cases, but for all of the people he killed and possibly could have killed that have yet to get any sort of justice or closure, I felt that they deserved an episode too. And hopefully we can help bring more attention and more awareness to their cases. There's still a lot to solve when it comes to the Green River Killer. You know, Task Force still has a website. They have a phone number. They have a email address. And they really do want people to submit tips still. But I think for whatever reason, since Ridgeway's in jail, people think that the, the story of the Green River Killer is over and done. And it's not. If you have any information about any of the missing or murdered people discussed in this episode, please reach out to the King County Sheriff's Department, where the task force remains somewhat active. You can even email them, greenrivertips at metrokc.gov. Washed Away is a Cosmic Bigfoot production. You can find show notes for each episode at washedawaypodcast.com. That includes photos, transcripts, sources, and more. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at washedawaypod. And please remember to subscribe or follow Washed Away wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like my work, you can leave a five-star rating or review or just tell a friend about the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm Ashley Smith, the host, producer, and everything else of this podcast. And I'll have another episode ready for you very soon. 